Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. You know, I love this quote. It's way more money, way less taxes. And if I was smart enough, I would have trademarked that saying, but I wasn't smart enough to do it. But my good friend and someone who I really respect and admire is my guest today on the show. And this is actually his saying. He always likes to say, get way more money and pay way less taxes. So my guest today is Tom Wheelwright. He's been on the show before. And uh, Tom is really the visionary guy behind multiple companies that really specialize in wealth and tax strategy. And he loves to show entrepreneurs and investors how to build massive amounts of wealth through practical and strategic ways to permanently reduce your taxes. He's also a leading expert and the best-selling author of the Rich Dad Advisor book, Tax-Free Wealth, which I highly recommend, and it's now in its second edition. So with that, Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Marco. It's always good to be with you. Um, as we were talking before we started, uh, I just, you know, we're both fans of financial education. We both believe that that is one of the, the cures to mm -hmm. what ails the world right now. So I really appreciate what you're doing. Well, thanks for coming on the show. And you and I, it seems like we could talk for hours about taxes and all kinds of stuff, but I'm really intrigued by the pivot you made to your new business and the service you provide to investors and what you can do to help them. So let's start with that. For those people who really don't know what you do, give us a short overview of, of what you actually do and the service you provide. Well, and for those uh, those who don't know me, let me, maybe I can give a little bit of my background too. Give so, it all. Um, I, I grew up in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, good Mormon boy, and uh, spent two years as a Mormon missionary in Paris, France, where I learned all about rejection, <laughs> and 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 actually learned how, and and absolutely loved the French people. What I one of the things I miss most right now is being able to go to Paris because uh, Paris is my favorite place on earth, and and when I came back, I went to the University of Utah where I got my undergraduate in accounting. And then I went from there to the University of Texas, where I received my bachelor, my sorry, my master, my master's degree in account in professional accounting, specifically with tax. And then I spent seven years with one of the largest CPA firms in the world, Ernst and Young, and including three years in their national tax office. In fact, I was there the last major tax um, act, which was 1986. I was in Washington D.C. Wow. following that act and teaching. Um, our clients and our CPAs, uh, what that was all about. So I've been in the heart of the legislation. I spent, uh, after I left uh, Ernst & Young, I spent four years in-house tax advisor for uh, what was then a Fortune 500 company and uh, with a specialty in real estate. Actually, they hired me because they bought a big real estate developer and they needed somebody to handle all the real estate um, side of things. And that was my specialty. Uh, I also did, by the way, I did a lot of um, uh, legislative work uh, um, as well as testifying. And actually, we actually came up with some new laws. I have, I actually have a law in the books wow. that uh, I wrote um, in Arizona, tax law. Uh, then I spent another short period of time with another big firm. Didn't work out. They fired me after nine months. And uh, I started my own firm. I'm going, how hard can this be? <laughs> and uh, I had two clients. I thought this can't be that hard. So I worked real hard. And nine months later, I doubled my business, right? I had four. So <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Then I found out you can actually buy a CPA firm and things took off from there. But what I what I learned was I, you know, I, I actually was one of the few CPAs ever to do cold calling. 
And I learned about, started learning about sales and marketing and, uh, and how to build a firm. And we actually grew very, very quickly. And while I was doing that, I was an adjunct professor at uh, Arizona <laughs> State University. Uh, uh, I created a course on multi-state taxation for them and taught that for 14 years. So, uh, um, so I basically built, sold, built, sold CPA firms for about 25 years. And then uh, a few years ago, as you alluded to, um, well, about 15 years ago, I started traveling a lot with a fellow by the name of Robert Kiyosaki, which everybody in the real estate business knows um, as, um, as the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And Robert and I became very, very good friends. And I became one of his advisors, um, uh, became his tax advisor. And he, we traveled the world many times um, talking about tax incentives and tax benefits and helping people understand that the tax law is really a series of incentives. It's not there to punish you. It's number one goal is to incentivize you to do what the government wants you to do. And so we'll travel the world. And, you know, of course, somebody always say, you know, that's great in the U.S., but that doesn't work here. Right. And I'll even have people, I'll go to Texas and they'll say, well, that's great in Arizona, but that doesn't work in Dallas. And I'm going, well, as a matter of fact, it works everywhere in the world. Yep. Okay. So what we're talking about, we're, uh, we're talking about principles, just like Rich Dad, Poor Dad talks about financial principles. We're talking about basic tax and wealth building principles. And so what we did a few years ago is we started a new company and I'm going to write this up. We are on film, right? We're doing both. Yep. All right. Good. So the new company. And that's a brilliant name, by the way. Thank you very much. Um, WealthAbility, it took us a long time to figure it out. But um, WealthAbility, and basically the idea behind it is, um, uh, as opposed to Wall Street, which says you're too stupid to handle your money, and you should turn it over to them. We believe that you're the smartest person to handle your money, you're the best person to handle your money, and you're gonna make the most money with the least amount of risk if you create your own ability to build wealth. Right. But the number one issue with building wealth, of course, is tax because tax is a major drain on wealth. And so what I've made a study of is I make, I've made my life study the tax law and how does the tax law really work? And what I, I learned over the years is that the tax law really, like I said, it's a system of rewards and punishments, mm -hmm. okay? But actually <laughs> primarily rewards. And um, if I can, I'm gonna put up Robert Kiyosaki's and then I'll come back to wealthability in a second. But I want to put up his cash flow quadrant because um, we can actually do everything from here, which is actually why I've spent the last 10 years traveling with him. If those of you who have read his book, Cash Flow Quadrant, I think it's a must read book, actually. It, it absolutely is. So he, we have four ways, primary ways to make money as an employee self-employed, big business owner, or as a professional investor, right? And I know, Marco, you, you emphasize down here, professional investor. Yep. Um, if you're an employee, here's what's interesting. If you're an employee, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you make a good income, you're probably going to pay 40% in tax. Mm -hmm. if, if you're as a self-employed and you make a good income, you're going to probably pay 60% because you're paying. Remember, you're not just paying your side of the tax. You're also paying the employer's side of the tax. So you're both sides of the tax. So your tax actually goes up when you 
by your job. The FICA tax. Right? Now, over here, as a big business, all of a sudden it drops down because you're making your money other with the corporate tax rate, which currently is 21%, or through capital gains, which is 20%, right? So the big business owner, you know, or dividends or capital gains, right? So they tend to be around 20%. But the magic of what you're teaching, Marco, is that the professional investor easily, easily within a few years can get to zero, even though they're making more money even than over here. And the reason is very simple. It's because the government looks at where we are since the 2017 Act, is we actually are looking at, are we a consumer or a producer? Mm-hmm. And the more we produce, the less tax we pay. Because the government said in 2017, if you put your money back into production, if you take your income, doesn't matter where you make your income, but if you take your income and put it into production, business, agriculture, energy, real estate, we're not gonna tax you on it. We're not gonna tax you until you consume it or until you store it, Right. okay? So you can store it as in an insurance policy, you can store it in gold and silver, or you can store it in a savings account. It doesn't matter, it's still storage and storage of wealth still is taxable, okay? Storage and consumption is taxable. Production is non-taxable. So you could make millions of dollars over here. I mean, take, for example, uh, I don't know, like a Robert Kiyosaki who makes millions of dollars from writing books, right? right? But if he takes that money and then he invests it over here, he's putting it into investment, then that investment offsets this. Here's somebody else that we, we saw, right? So in um, 2016, we're back into an election year, and I'm sure we'll get to that. In yep. 2016, we had uh, Clinton, Hillary Clinton, who was an attorney and whose father was a small business owner. She was used to 60% tax. And then we had Donald Trump over here. Right. And right, and he's a big business owner and a professional investor. So when she asked him in, in, the, in that famous interview, that famous debate, well, you don't pay any taxes. And his best <laughs> answer ever in a debate is that's because I'm smart. Right. Okay? Not denying it. It's because he's smart. It, it's actually not. It's because of the way he makes his money. Right. Because the government says she make. And this was before the 2017 act. It's just gotten right. better since 2017. So the purpose of wealth ability, what we've done is we've taken all of these concepts and we've done something that is, as far as I can tell, unique. And we've created a system Mm -hmm. for reducing your taxes. So we can honestly say to any investor or business owner that we can reduce your tax, we can show you how to reduce your taxes by 10 to 40% in three months or less. We can do it every time. Why? Because we have a replicatable system, right? right? We know it can be replicated. And what we've done is we've actually trained people to be the guides. And the logical people to be the guides are other tax advisors and CPAs. So what we did is we created the system. We brought together CPAs and other tax advisors to be the guides for the system. And then we put it all together. So when you come to a wealthability, you know, most people think I'm going to go to a CPA 
and they're going, I'm going to go CPA. And how do I find the right CPA? I'm going, I think that's the wrong question. It's a little like saying, is this, is, is this flip chart deductible? It's the wrong question, right? The better question is, how do I make this flip chart right. deductible? Right, exactly. Right? I mean, you've heard me say that yep. dozens of times. The better question is, okay, what's a systematic approach to reducing my taxes on a daily basis? Not, can I find the right tax advisor? So we've actually had an experience, Marco, where somebody, <laughs> somebody comes to us and we're trying to explain to them the system and how the system works and they, they find out what, which guide we're gonna send them to and they'll go behind our backs and they'll go to the, it's not ethical, but they do it anyway. And they'll go behind our backs and they'll go straight to the guide. And they'll say, and, and they'll hire the guide without ever telling the guide that they're, you know, that they've been, work, yeah. been working with us. And we actually had this true story, Marco. We had a, somebody who did that, came back to us three months later to complain. <laughs> they com their complaint was, well, they didn't do what you said they would do. And we said, we didn't say they would do it. Right. We said the system would do it and you chose not to be part of the system. Right. So, you know, it's, it's like, okay, so there's a lot of things you can learn with an encyclopedia, but I'll tell you what, without that iPhone or that computer, that yeah. system, it's going to be really hard. You know, you, you talk about Googling it. That's a system. That's a very complex system. I remember the days I'm old, right? I am actually, I, I, I've learned I'm elderly, right? That's the part of this crisis. That's what <laughs> I've learned from the crisis. I get to go to the grocery store an hour earlier than anybody right. else, um, which is a good thing, right? Yeah. But what I've learned is, is that, or, or, you know, there was a time when I had to do it all by hand. Yeah. I did tax returns by hand. I did computations by hand. All of this was done by hand. Well, once you bring in a system, it makes it a lot more, lot easier. Well, what if you actually had a system to reduce your taxes, which is what we're talking about. So I, I love giving the education, but the reality is until you put it into a comprehensive system, when you talked about wealth and tax strategy, when, unless you put it in this comprehensive plan of action, you're gonna be in a rifle approach and it's gonna be very difficult to get much that you really want to get because you're looking at it in a piece. You're looking at right. a piecemeal. And that's the problem. That's the, um, I think that's the mistake most people make with their, with their advisors is they look at it as I'm going to ask you a question. You're going to give me an answer when what you really want, um, is let's look at a comprehensive system so that we're never paying tax. We don't want to just not pay tax this year. Right. We don't want to pay tax next year, the year after, or the year after that. And at the same time, we want to be building wealth. And the way we do that is with the tax reduction and wealth building system. Yeah, that, that, that's all beautiful. So two takeaways I have from that, just to kind of boil it down is, number one, you're actually saying you need to be accountable and responsible for your own tax situation. Yes, sure. you need a tax advisor and a professional to help you, but you just can't throw everything onto their shoulders. You need to understand it yourself and have that system in place. And the second thing I hear you saying is, and I'm going to quote you, um, if you change your facts, you change your tax. Right. And, and, and that's really the, the bottom line. And, and, and I can't, you know, as, as let's say I'm your tax advisor, okay? I can't change your tax. I can't change your facts. I can tell you what facts to change, but you have to change them. And that's right. why it's your ability, not mine. 
right? Right. So that's what I love about what you're doing, Marco. And I, I know I went a little longer, but I want to give people kind of a baseline to go from before we get into what's going on today. In the yeah, no, that was great. And that not only answers my question thoroughly, but it sets the stage for really what we're going to talk about at the heart of all this today. And that's the current state of real estate tax incentives as they are today. Now, this kind of all started, I mean, it started long ago, but a major change was in 2017 with the, uh, you know, the tax Correct. cuts and Jobs Act that Trump signed into law back then, which was pretty significant. And if you want, you, we can start there. We can talk a little about that. But I think what's really significant is the CARES Act that came about this year. For sure. Um, really, the, the 2017 Act set the stage for the CARES Act. Right. Okay. Because if you think about it, what, what did the 2017 Act do? It used to be that employees got deductions outside of charitable contributions and a little bit of home mortgage interest and a minor amount of real estate tax. You don't get a lot of deductions anymore as an individual, right? So what it did was it shifted again. It shifted the emphasis from here to here. It really shifted the emphasis, as Robert would say, it's, you know, from being employed. You to want to be over here on the B and the I side. You don't want to be over in the in the S side. You could. Everybody's going to be over here. Yeah. But you want to also be over here. Okay. So I'm here. Okay. I have a CPA firm. I, I run a CPA firm. I, I still have a, a small group of clients, but I'm also here. Mm -hmm. Okay. As I build my network. Right. And then I'm here as I do my real estate investing. So, you know, you don't have to be in just one quadrant, but what you have to recognize is, is that it takes two things. One is it takes understanding how to behave over on this side, right? If you're going to have what they have, you have to behave like they do. You don't have to be big, but you have to behave like they do. And second of all, you have to understand that you need a guide in order to do that, right? So you need a system and a guide. So um, what happened in 2017 was it was just a bigger shift. So we always got great benefits from real estate. We just now have, now we have bonus depreciation and opportunity zones, but we were doing cost segregations long before that because we still had five-year property versus 40-year property right so so that was that was kind of the shift is if now if you buy equipment or you buy property you get an immediate deduction instead of having to take it over a period of time and that was really the big shift what the cares act did was it actually shifted even more than that because one of the things you know they have to look at how much they they decided well we're going to allow $1.5 trillion of deficit spending here. <laughs> that's its own topic, right? <laughs> I'm not a big fan of that. No. Um, so that's what they decided in 2017, it's 1.5 trillion. And then they add another three to 4 trillion in the CARES Act, right? And they're saying, well, it's okay. We just need to put money into it. Well, at 1.5, they still have limits. I mean, the reason we don't have a deal yet um, between the Republicans, and the Democrats, the Republican Senate wants less of this wild spending and the, and the Democratic House wants more right. of this wild spending. Okay. And that's the, that's the conflict. It's good. It's good to have two sides. Okay. So um, because of that, they had to do some things to actually raise revenue. One of the things they did was they limited the net operating loss carryback. So we used to be able to carry back losses. So let's we had a big real estate deal. We created this big loss. We could carry it back for two years, right? And carry it forward for 20 years. The CARES Act brought it back on steroids <laughs> and said, look, 
if you have a loss in 2018, 19, or 20, yep. you can carry that loss back five years. Wow. And, and then on top of that, they made a change to the real estate law. So with the real estate law, there was an issue. And the issue was, and I'm just going to use this one. We can stay here. The issue was what we call qualified improvement property. Now, this doesn't apply to residential real estate. This only applies to commercial real estate. And when I say commercial, by the way, for tax purposes, that means it's office industrial business. Right. Uh, just because it has a commercial loan doesn't mean it's commercial property. Okay. So commerce and the, the, the normal thought of commerce. Qualified improvement property is like tenant, tenant improvements, right, to an office, right? And there was a mistake made in the 2017 law and qualified improvements got this horrible depreciation rate in 2017. It should have gotten bonus depreciation, which is 100% first year. What they did was in the CARES Act, they fixed it. Well, think about this. So you, you, you do a real estate deal in 2020, which by, with bonus depreciation creates a loss. Right. And then you go, wait a minute, I also rented an office and I've got qualified improvement property. And I can, now I get to deduct that. Or actually, I did it in 2018 and I can deduct it in 2020 or 2019. So I can take this loss, so I got an additional loss and I can carry it back five years. They did one more thing. Remember in the 2017 Act, they said business losses. So let's go back to this one. That was broken in the 2017 act, wasn't it? it yeah, you could do it. They fixed it. They fixed it. So what the other thing they did is say, look, business losses, this is 2017. If you have losses here, and here's where they were really looking was right here. As an I mean, investor. Look, if you have losses over here, okay, they can't offset non-business income. Now they can offset your wages, they can offset your business, okay? but they can't offset dividends and they can't offset interest and they can't offset retirement, et cetera. Okay. Right. Except for $500,000. Well, that was a big deal. They, of course, what was the whole point of the CARES Act was put money back into the economy. Mm -hmm. And so they said, look, we're going to take away that $500,000 limitation. So now what do you have? You have three things going on, right? You have the NLL carry back, you have the qualified improvement property and you have the, the $500,000 limit, which is now gone, right? And now what do you have? Now you have a gigantic annual carry back. And so you could carry that back, you can carry it forward. Um, and that was a, that's actually a huge deal that a lot of people still haven't taken advantage of. And remember that under the, the uh, house proposal called the um, HEROES Act, right? Um, I love these acronyms. Yeah, I don't know how they uh, come up the with the house proposal called the Heroes Act. They actually eliminate, uh, uh, they they restrict this carry back. So this is something that you really ought to be looking at right now, as to especially as tax returns I now are just getting finished for some people. Right. Let's make sure we look at that. If we've got an NOL, maybe we need to carry it back. Okay. So let's carry it back and and see does it work better to carry it back or are we going to be better using it in 2020. But that's an option we have. Another big thing that happened, um, especially I think for a lot of your folks, is we have this new rule that I lovingly referred to as the $100,000 rule. Is that related to access to funds in your retirement account? 
That's what that is. I love that. So basically what it says is that if you had some, if you were damaged by the pandemic, either because you actually got the virus, a family member got the virus, you had your hours reduced because of the virus or your business had to reduce its hours because of the virus, then you can actually pull up to $100,000 out of any retirement account or a combination of retirement accounts. You can pull $100,000 out, pay no tax this year, pay no tax next year, and 2022, put the money back in and pay no tax at all. So you can actually use it for three years and not have to pay tax, or you can pay a third of the tax this year, a third of the tax next year, and a third tax the following year and, and spread it out that way. So you have a choice. You can, and you can use the money for anything and there's no penalties at all. So Tom, okay. a lot of people have been asking me the question recently, and I've been answering it on my Ask Marco episodes about borrowing monies from a line of credit or a HELOC or even credit cards with zero interest. This sounds like a better option to use towards a down payment towards investment real estate than using a line of credit. Um, it, well, it, it can be. I mean, you have to run the numbers. But, okay. Okay. So I give you the two worst pieces of tax advice. Okay. The worst piece of tax advice is the one I hear the most often, which is you're making, you're paying so much tax because you're making too much money. You need okay. to reduce the amount of money you make. You want to pay less tax. Right. And that's, <laughs> That doesn't make We're sense. 120% tax rate bracket here, right? So that's a terrible idea. Right. The, the second worst idea is let's invest in real estate through my IRA. Right. Or my self-directed 401k. And the reason that's a bad idea is because real estate is the best tax shelter on the planet. When you put it into an IRA, you lose all the tax benefits of it. If you invest through an IRA, you're still building it up. Mm -hmm. Now don't think that you're not going to pay tax because you will eventually pay tax when you pull it out. Or let's say it's a Roth. You say, ah, but I'm doing it in a Roth. Okay. But you lose your leverage, right? You don't get the leverage as much in a Roth because you can't personally guarantee that. Right. You don't get the losses. We, this NOL, you don't get that if, right. it's in, if it's stuck in a Roth. So there's limited situations where it makes sense but it's very limited. If, if like, you know, if you're buying single family homes, for example, I would never do that in what we call a qualified plan, IRA, 401k, right. pension plan, ever, ever, ever. So here's an opportunity to get money out, right? Now you have to justify it. You do have to certify that you had an actual need to get this money out. But if you can certify that, and that's a lot, that's millions and millions of people, then why wouldn't you take it out? The worst thing that can happen is you put it back. So what? Okay. You have, you, you've got markets at the highest they've ever been. You have market high two days, a couple of days ago, right? right? So you have market highs. You're going, wow, this thing just scares me. Well, great. Here's your opportunity. Let's put it into something that's a little more stable, right? Let's put it in something that actually produces cash flow. So just to be clear, are you saying not to use it as down payment monies towards investment property outside of your retirement account? No, I, I'm saying just the opposite. You pull it out of the retirement account and then use it as a down payment. Okay, okay? we're on the same page. Don't do it within your retirement account. No, pull no. it out of the retirement. If you can possibly pull it out, because what will happen is, is you'll get that bonus depreciation that you wouldn't get if you left it in right, the retirement Right, exactly. Account, right? So yeah. if you put $100,000 in on a, let's say a $400,000 property, you're going to get $100,000 of deduction. Right. 
Yeah, right? and if you're and a you're high income earner. Right. And so, and again, you have a choice. You might just hold on to it for three years and then pay it back. You know, let's say three years down the road, you refinance and you pay the money back. Great. Yep. You borrowed money, which is not taxable. You put it back in your IRA and you've done deals that you could never have done. Or you just pay a third of it now, but you pick up, let's say you had $90,000. You'd pick up $30,000 of income and get $100,000 or $90,000 deduction. That's a pretty good deal to me. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is the type of knowledge that I think a lot of people are not aware of that's there. And, and guys like you are sharing this and teaching people how to use it. And many CPAs, I don't think, really fully understand how to take advantage of these uh, these new acts. So, um, so education is critically important. And then putting into play what you're teaching is that much more important because that's where you create the wealth and minimize or reduce your in-tax impact. For sure. And, and that's actually part of the reason that you really want to follow a system because the system yeah. needs to include the education. If, if, you, if you've got... Uh, a CPA who's just telling you the answer, you're never getting educated. And remember, right. it's, you're the one who has to change your facts, right? To reduce your tax. I'm not the one who does that. So you need to know how to do it, which, why, which is why the education is a critical part of that system. If you're gonna really do this. And then the other part is, is um, we were talking about this earlier, is that CPAs tend to be very linear thought right. process, right? Well, the law is not linear. The law wasn't written by CPAs. It was written by attorneys and, and uh, uh, con Congress people, and, right? So it was written by more nonlinear or right brain people. And so what happens is, is that CPAs tend to go, well, this is the rule, or I heard this is the rule, and they don't look at the rest of the law. And so what a system does, what we've been able to do is take, I'm a very, I'm a very nonlinear uh, person. I actually don't do well with the linear. And I've, I've taken that nonlinear thought process and with the help of my team, who's a lot of linear people, we've actually put it into a linear system so that the CPAs we train can actually guide you through it. Okay. Because normally a CPA really, ha you wonder why can't a CPA pull this together? Well, it's because it's, it's really outside of what they've learned. Right. And so part of the magic of what yep. we did is we just brought all these CPAs together and say, well, we'll show you, we'll show you how this works. And we do training on a constant basis. We have a, we have, we have a three day training in October. We have another three day training in November. You know, we're, we're doing uh, online training every single month. So this is not something that you do casually. You've got to have a system to really put you through it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, let me ask you another thing about CARES Act. I mean, on, this was put into play March 27th of this year by President Trump. He signed it into law, and it was the largest stimulus bill in U.S. history. Initially, it was $2.2 .2 trillion that they were just pumping back into the economy. And it was a massive bill. It had a lot of implications. Now, I've heard you mention NOL, not net, uh, net operating losses, multiple times. And I, I mean, we can get really deep on this, and I don't want to go down that road. But just at a high level, how can residential real estate investors that are listening to this, watching this today, wow. take advantage of that when they're sitting there listening to this and saying, that sounds great, but how do I, how do I use that? Well, there's a magic term down here. I love magic terms. The magic term is a cost segregation. Okay. And a cost segregation <laughs> means that what you're going to do on your residential real estate is you're going to you're going to break down the cost 
between the land, the building, the land improvements, mm. and all the contents of the building. And the land improvements and the contents of the building are probably going to end up to be somewhere between 20 and 30% of the cost. That's my experience. Um, don't use those numbers though. Okay. You actually right. have to do a professional, excuse me, a professional cost segregation. There are some inexpensive ways to do that. As long as you've got a CPA who's willing to walk you through it, um, because it is required that you have a CPA sign off on it. Okay. By the IRS, they require that. Um, but it doesn't have to be expensive. Okay. That's my point. Yeah. And what a cost segregation does is those last two things. So land we know doesn't wear out. No. So it doesn't get Right, written off at all. Building wears out over a long period of time, so it gets written off a little bit at a time. But the land improvements, and that includes like the fencing and the driveways, uh, well, can include the driveways, um, but the um, landscaping, right? Um, the outdoor lighting, all that kind of stuff, the land improvements, and then all of the things that are inside the house, like the, okay. the, the flooring and the ceiling fan and the you know window covering, all that kind of stuff that all can be written off the year you buy the property. Yeah. You know, the year you basically place it in service. So if you buy a million dollars of property and that's 25%, that's a $250,000 deduction. Now, a little bit of warning for everybody. You will have CPA say you can't use that because you're passive. Right. Okay? Right. So they'll say, oh, but you're a passive investor. So passive losses would only apply to passive income. Right. So here's the key. This is where the system is so important. You have to have a system for turning active income into passive income. Yep. Right. Some people can be a real estate professional because they're doing this so much and they're going to be a professional. This is basically professional side, right? Right. But there are other people that they're investing a little bit, but you know, like my wife and I, neither one of us are ever going to be a, a real estate professional. Right. She's a full-time CPA. She has her own practice. I'm a full-time business owner. I do my own stuff. We're never going to be real estate professionals. That doesn't mean I can't use my losses. It just means that I have to do it a different way. So that's where that system again comes into play. Yeah, that's very interesting. And always makes me wonder how many people can actually qualify their active income as passive income, uh, legitimately, especially if they're in the, they're in the E quadrant as employees. Well, if you're over here and you're only over here, you're done. Right. That, yeah. There, there's just nothing I can do for you. Okay. But if you're here, or here, or here, these right. three quadrants, we can absolutely create passive income yep. almost 100 percent of the time. So you're right. If if you're just here and then you're buying a couple of properties over here, it's going to be passive. That's just the way it is. But here's the thing. Maybe you want to then start take some of the money and invest in an income generating passive activity that won't have any tax because you've got passive losses from your real estate. So this is why, by the way, this is why when we you, you said earlier on, Mark, we do wealth and tax strategies. You yep. can't just do the tax strategy. Right. You have to do the wealth piece because we need to work with you on how you're going to build your wealth because how you build your wealth determines how much tax you pay. Right. Right. How you build your wealth determines how much tax you pay. So it has to be done in conjunction. And that, it, that, a, that's why we do it the way we do it. Yeah. It's, a, it's an overall game plan. If you don't have a game plan, right. you don't have rules to follow to win the game. And that's what yep. it's about. And for those people driving and listening to this and not seeing what Tom is pointing at, you know, in the cash flow quadrant, he's referring to the person that's in the top left in the E quadrant, who's an employee. You're basically 
SOL, you have very few ways to minimize and reduce your taxes. But if you're self-employed or you're on the right side of that quadrant in business and investment category, you have a lot of options. In fact, the whole tax code is your playbook. You know, you just learn how to use it. Let's just shift real quick to SALT, you know, the state and local taxes. Was anything in the act to address that? Because my understanding that goes away in 2025. Um, You know, the SALT deductions, the state and local taxes. Oh, you mean the the $10,000? Yeah, because it's guys like me in California, you know, it's painful here to lose those state and local tax deductions on your taxes. Um, you, You know, the individual tax provisions are permanent. Most of them are permanent. So, for example, you know, the elimination of miscellaneous itemized deductions like your brokerage fee. Yes. That's permanent. Okay. Okay. So um, a lot of things are permanent. Now, here's the great thing. First of all, multi-state, state taxes is actually one of my specialties, real estate and state taxes. Those are my two specialties, um, technically. There's actually a lot you can do to reduce your state taxes. And it shouldn't be ignored, especially if you're in California, where you're yeah. you know, in, in the uh, People's Republic of California, right. <laughs> um, where, you know, don't ignore the state tax. So thank you for that. No, there's, there's nothing in the CARES Act to deal with that at all. And it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, frankly, it shouldn't happen. It's, it's okay. bad tax policy to allow that deduction um, because you really are benefiting those states that right. reduce, you know, that, that, that spend more money. At, at the cost of the states that don't. And so it's actually, it's believe it or not, that's been on the chopping block since I was in uh, Washington, D.C. in 1986. So this is not a new idea to eliminate the state and local tax deduction. Uh, what they really ought to do is eliminate it entirely, and yeah. we ought to add a value-added tax. So I, that's a, I will tell you, I am actually a proponent of a value-added tax if you're going to raise revenue, if you need revenue for something, for example, I, I'm a totally um, forthright. Yep. I'm a big believer that everybody ought to have health care. I really do. I'm not a big fan from Medicare for all because that's a yeah. terrible idea. But should everybody have access to health care? I, I, I think so. I think those of us who have money kind of owe that to those who don't. Yeah. And so, But to do that, you're going to have to raise revenue. To me, the logical thing to do, the reason I got into the state and local area because I thought we would get a value added tax actually before now, because I think that's, we really were, and you call it a national sales tax, but a value added tax makes more sense. We're at a huge, there's a little policy um, sidelight. Yeah. We're at a huge disadvantage vis-a-vis the rest of the world because we don't have a value added tax. Okay. So if, if uh, for example, if Airbus sells a, an airplane into um, American Airlines, American Airlines pays a big value added tax. Whereas if Boeing sells, uh, um, uh, Airbus doesn't pay any value added tax, but if Boeing sells to Air France, they do pay a value added tax. So it's a very big, it's a, it's a really big problem. They tried to do this with the border tax adjustment and everything, but it's, it doesn't work. So you know what, what, yeah, what we know. have to do is we have to pay attention to it. And we're gonna have to pay a lot of attention to new tax law because um, assuming we have, let's say we have a change in administration in uh, January, okay, which right now looks yeah. more likely than not, then, uh, you know, Mr. Biden has said that there's going to be a lot of changes in the tax law. So we do need to pay attention to it. Yeah. So just before we get to that, and that's kind of where we'll wrap things up, I just want to say that I'm familiar with the GST tax that right. they implemented in Canada. 
which was supposed to, I mean, in principle, I agree with everything you said. I can see where the benefit would come in if it was properly administered and properly run. When the GST came in, there were all these promises and people ended up calling it, I don't know if you know this, Tom, but the GST was loosely labeled the gouge and screw tax in Canada. <laughs> so it did nothing to help healthcare. In fact, if anything, it just got worse. And so it's one thing to have the, the money to put into health programs, but if you don't have competent people to run totally it without agree. milking the system, you, no, you know, totally it doesn't agree. work. And, and that's, of course, the big challenge. The big challenge with, and the reason that you're always hesitant to see any new tax is because it's just so easy for them to just raise the rates and just, and waste the money. Right. Right. I mean, you look at, you look at the Heroes Act, there's so much pork in that act. The CARES Act was really a pork bill. I mean, it was mostly pork. Now there were some important things in there, yeah. like the stimulus uh, money, like the PPP loans, like the, like you know, like the evictions. I, I think there were some important things in that bill, but there was also a lot, a lot of pork. You had to read for it. Okay, I read that law, and you had to read it to get to find out where the pork was. But there's a lot of pork in there, and uh, the Heroes Act yeah. is just rife with pork. So um, that's always the challenge. Is you know, is the money being spent? the way it should be spent. Um, and typically the government doesn't spend yeah. the money the best way. So we've been talking about tax incentives and we can go all over the place with that, but we have elections coming up here in November. Who knows what's going to happen, but we need to, to talk about it or at least bring it up. First of all, what do you think about Joe Biden's proposed tax plan? I think I know what you're going to say, uh, but... <laughs> you know, I, I, you may be surprised. Um, you know, my job is to explain the incentives, right? And then... Okay and then help people utilize those incentives. What Joe Biden's plan is, is to change the incentives, okay? So that's a policy issue, right? What, where do the incentives go? What I wanna do is I wanna make sure that everybody understands the incentives and goes, okay, well, the incentives right now are heavy over here, okay? Well, I think some of the incentives will come back here and he'll be encouraging people to be employees. That's where some of the incentives are coming back Shifting to. Shifting it to right? the employee but side. But he'll also discourage a lot of this right here, okay? So his proposal to raise the corporate tax rate 28% is a huge, huge discouragement to big business, right? His proposal to eliminate right. the 20% deduction for small business is a huge disincentive to be a small business owner. His proposal to tax capital gains at over a million dollars at ordinary income rates is a huge disincentive here, right? now. There's hope there. By the way, Marco, right. there's hope. Just because he proposes tax on capital gains doesn't mean real estate's going to be taxed at that rate because right. real estate has its own category right. called 1231. And so it may not. We may escape that. And real estate and business may escape that capital gains tax. And, and he wants to put more emphasis over here and on social programs, right? So I, I think it's just going to be a rearrangement yeah. of incentives. And then that's a matter of looking at those incentives and you're gonna to have to be able to adapt to those different differing incentives. And right now you gotta start adapting anyway because one thing that he has proposed is a massive reduction of that estate tax exclusion and an elimination of the um, step up in basis. When you combine those two, uh, right. you're looking at a estate tax, an effective estate tax rate of somewhere in the neighborhood of 80%. So you want to be- wow working now to be taking care of that. Don't wait until next year. Because if you do it now and then Trump's still president, so what? You just, you've done your planning ahead of time. So what? It's fine. 
right? right but if exactly. you do it now and you know, or, or do it now and get ready to pull the trigger and you see come December 1st that you got a new president, pull the trigger and don't pull the trigger until then. Don't sign the papers until December 1st, but get the work done now. It's going to be worth it to you because you're talking about millions and millions of dollars in tax liability. So there's a lot of stuff that really people ought to be looking at right now to plan for that eventuality. Because if you wait until, because uh, we know we're not going to know the results November 4th, right? We're not going to know the results probably till no. December. Well, if we don't know the results till December right. and maybe not till January, depending on what kind of fights there are, you know, you remember um, George W., right? That was well into December before we knew. Then what happens, okay? You can't plan. Right. So it, that, that's why there is an urgency to actually start planning now. And on top of that, you can't, at the year, at the end of the year, you can't do tax planning for the previous year. No. You got to do that tax planning now to prepare so that you're reducing your taxes now. So I guess what you're saying is work with your tax advisor and continue to educate yourself so you know what's coming and you're prepared for what potentially is coming. Right. Better yet, uh, you know, work in a system yeah. of uh, tax reduction. Yeah. You know, just come up develop this strategy so that you've got a system for reducing your taxes so that every single dollar you spend, you know, can be deductible. Every dollar you earn yeah. can be non-taxable. So it's a system, it's a systematic approach to reducing your taxes and building wealth. And we all know that that's how people build massive amounts of wealth. It's typically not a home run. So just as a reminder to everybody listening to this, real estate has been one of the most tax favored assets to invest in up until 2017. In 2017, Tom, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it actually became the most tax favored asset to invest in, pushing oil and gas in second. And correct. now with the uh, CARES Act, it's basically put everything on steroids. Correct. So invest in more real estate and work with guys like Tom. <laughs> and it's all about being productive, yeah. doing what the government wants you to do. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then, you, then, you know, you'll be successful if you do it. Frankly, it's like you say, it's a roadmap, right? I mean, the tax law is a roadmap for reducing taxes and building wealth. Right. And so, you know, why not, why not have your own tax-free wealth roadmap? I can't tell you how much I appreciate all the great content and education you put out there to help people actually save on taxes and, and keep more of what they make. So thank you so much for that. Let's uh, wrap it up with you, at least, by telling our listeners how they can get a hold of you or your team, learn more about what you're doing, and uh, find WealthAbility. Well, it's really easy. Just put a .com here. Oh, okay. And you're good to go. <laughs> WealthAbility.com. Um, there is a right on the, on the front page. It says schedule a call. And we'll, we'll just figure out. I mean, is, is this, uh, you know, is the system that we use, does it make sense to you? Does it make sense to go through it? Um, Marco, you were asking me, you know, before we started recording, you know, who's the logical person? And it's really somebody who's willing to build their own wealth, who doesn't want to turn it over to somebody else. You want to turn yeah. it over to somebody else, we're probably not the right place to come. We're not. We have people that make four or five million dollars a year that we turn down um, because they just want us to do it. Well, we don't do that. Okay. If you want to participate, if you want to create your own ability, to build wealth, your own ability to reduce taxes, then we would. We don't care how much money you make. You make ten thousand dollars a year, nothing. A hundred million dollars a year, doesn't matter. We just want you to know that it's if you're going to change your tax, you have to change your facts. 
Our job is to create the system to show you how. And you're absolutely right. I see no reason why someone shouldn't learn ways to reduce their taxes. And you're just one very great, viable way to do that. So if you like paying taxes, great. Pay taxes. The IRS will take a check from you if you want to pay a little extra. Here's the good news. The (laughs) IRS, they don't care where you are. They don't. If you want to pay 40% or 60% tax, they are happy to take your money. Do you know there's even a box you can mark that you can contribute more to the federal government? I've never actually seen anybody check that box, but you can do that. Okay. Just want you to know you can do that. Um, but if you like to reduce your taxes, you really kind of have to be in the S quadrant, the B quadrant, and the I quadrant. It'd be interesting to know if Bernie Sanders checked that box. Uh, you know what? I know. I, I, I'll tell you what. I've talked to people who uh, are big proponents of, ad, of uh, millionaires paying more tax. And I, yeah. I always ask them, I said, so did you donate? And everyone says, no, of course not. I'm not going to donate if, not, if everybody no. else doesn't <clears throat> have to donate. I'm going, wait right. a minute. So that'd be like saying, I'm not going to donate to the Red Cross if everybody doesn't donate to the Red Cross. Yeah, exactly. No, what it means is, is that you don't believe that the federal government is going to use the money the way you want it to be used. And so you'd rather have the money than give it to the federal government. You'd rather have the choice of where to put the money. And you're not willing to just give it to the federal government unless everybody has to do it. I think it's very disingenuous. I, I totally is. I, I totally agree. Well, Tom, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Anytime. All right. So wealthability.com. We'll put that in the show notes on the transcription and everywhere else Great. so you can easily find it. But uh, check it out. Uh, Tom is just a super smart guy and he's very generous with his time and with his knowledge. So for everybody listening, if you are new to the show, remember to subscribe. Just click the subscribe button. Help us spread the word. Share this with your friends and family. We love like-minded people learning from what we talk about. Visit us on iTunes, leave us a rating and review. And thank you for listening. We will see you all on our next episode. Are you on track to achieve your financial goals? Income-producing real estate is the most historically proven way to accumulate wealth and has created more financial freedom than any other means. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best turnkey cash flow rental properties. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly income. Get your free strategy session with our knowledgeable investment counselors at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.